what's up what's up what's up what's up good morning good morning afternoon evening whatever time zone or whatever time frame you are in when you listen to this podcast welcome to another episode of the leader set trends podcast and i've missed you guys but before i tell you where i have been make sure you like share subscribe if anything leave a review about this podcast. So whatever platform you listen to this, if you are listening to this on, um, if that's Apple, if that's Google, right? If you're listening to me now, I'm on Audible. Now you can catch me on um, Amazon podcast platform, wherever you're listening to this on, leave a review because it's important uh, for this message to get out to others, transforming leaders, helping leaders and individuals get to the next level is highly important to me, right? So I want to reach and connect with them. So help me on that journey and uh, leave a review or again, like and share, subscribe, comment, right? Engage with me so I can know what you want to talk about or what your takeaway was uh, for the message that you are receiving. But anyway, so where have I been? Where have I been? Well, your girl got the vid, COVID. Um, I was surprised, right? And and the interesting thing is, you know, we can't walk around here like we're Teflon, like nothing can um, happen to us or we can't, you know, um, something can happen where we end up with it. But the reason why I thought I was Teflon is because I haven't had it since it first came out. So to take a test and it says that you were COVID positive was really surprising for me. Um, I, you know, I didn't even know they tracked like how much of the virus you, you got. Um, and I had a very high amount and I was down. Okay. I was down. I'm going down. Anybody knows that song, but I was down, um, and really <laughs> needed to rest and refocus and get caught up with some things, but thank goodness I'm good. Me and my son had it. So my concern was really because of, you know, my children making sure they're good. You know, I have a son and a daughter, so, but they're good. I'm good. And I am back. So I'm super excited to be back here with you because I missed you all. Right. And, um, it's beautiful what you can learn in seasons where you are forced to sit down. I'm a few podcast episodes ago, I talked about the importance of leaders taking a break and um, really resting as someone that is very, I'm, I'm in that category of high performance, um, not just because it's a label that I'm like, hey, I'm a high performer, but when I really correlate to the level of activities and the things that I was pursuing in a season, it was so much. And I had to ask myself, why? Why are you doing so much? Or what really piqued my interest was when I did rest and take a step back, I had a problem with it. I'm like, why am I, I need to be doing something. I had an issue with it. So I've really been, I feel like, you know, it prepared me for this downtime. So I'm just like not freaking out and having anxiety or a panic attack because I feel like I'm not doing anything. But I really, again, had to sit down and identify, okay, what do I want in my life, right? What are my goals? is am I like my uh mentor says coach Val talks about chasing so many rabbits am I chasing so many different things where I can focus on one area and then by focusing on one area that'll allow me to catch that rabbit right reach that goal versus I'm doing 10 things and I could have reached that goal months ago weeks ago days ago however because I'm doing so much you know I'm all over the place that I'm touching a goal here a goal here go here a little bit towards it right and I'm making right strides towards reaching it but it's taking a lot longer so um 
you know, COVID taught me, if anything, I'll leave with you all before I um, transition to what we're going to focus on today is it taught me, right, the importance of having a support system and being okay to get help, right? Because, you know, shout out to my family, um, my loved ones, my friends who just supported me during that time, you know, and being okay to accepting the help. Because again, as someone that just is used to just doing things and just going and doing it, and if someone's not available, I do it anyway, it really made me pause and say, listen, you know, um, I'm in that check on your strongest friends uh, category, like, you know, because I'm so used to doing everything on my own that sometimes, you know, some people think like she got it right. And it's nothing with them. I'm nothing, you know, to say negative about them for doing that, because when you don't ask for help unconsciously or what you're creating is the potential where people are like, oh, well, it seems like you always have it. You know, I didn't meet, I didn't, um, wasn't trying to like not <laughs> support you because we have, I know we all out there have supportive um, loved ones that want to be there to support us. But it really just taught me the power and the okay to asking for help and accepting help. So shout out to all those people that supported me during that downtime um, because I needed it. <laughs> I needed the help and it was extremely beneficial. So what practice do you have in place now that helps you get into the habit of accepting help, especially when we're in leadership positions, right? We do have to take a lot on, on our own, or it seems like we have to take a lot on our own, or there might've been times where we had to just handle it on our own. But the reality is make sure you have that support system. Be okay with asking for help. Because the reality is that moment where you're like upset and you're like, well, well, how come ain't nobody come to my rescue? Well, right, not saying it's completely our fault, but we do have to ask ourselves, have we created a space and a place where, you know, accepting help isn't something that we have done or asking for it. So we're creating that type of environment. So it's okay to delegate. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, hey, I need to tap out. I need a break. Um, make sure you're doing that because it comes in handy. We need to rest or we'll need those times where we have no choice but to sit down, sit down, right? Sit down and take that time to ourselves. So um, make sure you're doing that. Make sure you're doing that. And a bunch of other stuff that I'll share as far as like the, the level of awareness that happens. Because again, when you're sit down, it's just like when people were home during COVID, it allowed them to really reflect and identify some areas, blind spots, or just areas to focus on. And that's what it did for me. Anyway, let's get into today's message. Again, like, share, subscribe, make sure you have a state connected so you can continue to hear the gems um, or whatever you identify as gems from the conversation. So really, really hope that you guys took a lot away from last week's episode where we talked about the power of emotional literacy and the um, importance of trauma-informed or what trauma-informed leadership is. And I'm going to have an episode where I talk about that more because people are like, trauma-informed leadership, what is that? How do you do that? Like, I'm not a therapist and it's not about being a therapist, but the realities are is traumas, experiences that we have been through does affect how we show up as leaders, but also it affects how our teams show up. So we're not going to go around diagnosing people, but it's just the awareness factor, right? COVID was a traumatic event for a lot of people. It, it, it really caused a breakdown in the hearts and minds of individuals, right? And that's trauma. And that's also redefining what trauma is because trauma is not solely the things that automatically come into mind, right? So when I said trauma, what came to your mind? 
you might think of, you know, um, I only want to call it the extremes, but sometimes people think it's like where physical harm is done, but we have to realize cognitively, emotionally, we can be in experiences that affects us traumatically, but it's uh, more emotion-based. It, it's more, you know, cognitive-based. Um, so it might not be, always be physical. You know, it can be other things like an experience with COVID, like the experience of the shutdown and being so concerned and worried. Um, now monkeypox is out there. So all these different things can affect how someone sees the world or shows up in the world and things that we just need to be aware of as leaders supporting. Um, yes, we're supporting staff members, employees per se, but these are still human beings, individuals who again are supporting our mission and vision. So us having an understanding of what's happening in the world, what's happening with them um, in a sense is extremely important. So one area that I really want to focus on today that I'll be doing an upcoming session on is conflict management. Conflict, it's, a, it's about having the conversation, the uncomfortable conversation, because for a lot of us leaders out there, we are running or uncomfortable with having certain conversations with people, or we're seeing within our teams that a conversation needs to happen or we're noticed that there's a shift or a change that's happening and a conversation can truly shift relationships in a positive way. It could truly help in clarifying, problem solving, just really building a bridge that's needed for us to continue to press forward in what we're doing. So having those conversations are important, but a lot of times conflict is something that people are fearful for. But studies show that if someone is in an environment that they're uncomfortable with, you'll see more arise in um, individuals calling in, not showing up for work. You can even see retention issues because now the culture, right, is being shaped because of that. When literally a conversation that can offer some clarity could be the game changer that's needed to help these individuals get to the other side. And that even again, it applies for us because we will, we will, right? We will have um, some type of conflict if it's with a team member or if it's with um, a, a colleague of ours, if it's, um, you know, anything, it could be a customer, it could be a multi a client, right? Um, conflict or disagreement or that didn't stir, that didn't sit with me right, could happen because the reality is, is conflict is something we need to redefine just like what we talk about emotions, right? We hear a term, we hear a word and we automatically pivot to, um, we'll start to see <laughs> and feel and look at it from a way that is um, not necessarily the best, right? It might be something where we start to, again, um, we, be, we become afraid of engaging or we get uncomfortable or we already create the solution, we already create the story, right? We can create some stories now. We can add cast members, we can come up in court and put all these pieces together solely because of conflict. I mean, solely because of conflict or, or excuse me, solely because of a issue that you have with someone and you never even had a conversation to get clarification on what happened, what it is. And you might realize like, oh, this whole time I was thinking this, but in reality, it wasn't any of that. So there is a power in obtaining the clarity, the understanding that we need to help us get on the other side of what we're feeling because it's like I mentioned earlier about trauma-informed leadership. 
for some individuals, they don't even realize that the things that they've experienced in the past, it might be trauma. It might not even be on a tier of trauma, right? Um, but it could be, you know, something that impacted them. And, and again, it's really redefining trauma and looking at what it is. But, you know, being in a space in a place where the workplace was so toxic in a sense, or the leader was so X, Y, Z, whatever filling that blank is, it could have caused some trauma within, or it could have caused you to hold, um, hold on to certain things in regards to that case or matter or whatever it happened, that now it's impacting how you connect with the word or term or connect with. And what I mean by that is you could hear something and now it's automatically connecting you. You don't even realize unconsciously it's taking you back to that excuse me, untoxic. What am I talking about? Toxic. Um, it's taking you back to that toxic um, environment or it's taking you back to that hard conversation. And now you find yourself going into your shell. You feel yourself shutting down. Or again, now you're creating stories and now you're like, okay, I think this, you're thinking that the person is this and that. And now your, sol your solution is based off of something that's not even reality. So having an understanding of how we see conflict, how we navigate conflict, our conflict management style is extremely, extremely important because again, if our basis sometimes is, man, I don't want to have this conversation because it might cause conflict, we should be looking to conflict or we need to look at having these conversations, right? Because let's look at it. It's just a conversation. It's just a meeting to get clarity, right? clarifying conversations, call it that, all right? We're gonna call this clarifying conversation. How much that's going to help in resolving whatever you're feeling or whatever that team is feeling or how it can really help a space and a place and individuals get to the other side that's gonna benefit your company, your organization, your team, your department, um, and even our customers. So. Let me first let me first explain or provide you all the definition of conflict, right? Because I think it's sometimes important for us to define conflict first, right? Because again, a lot of times when we hear a term, our perspective or how we define it is based off of our experiences. It might have been experiences that we've had personally, experiences, just experiences in life, period. Even if it's personal, something you've watched, someone else, it might have been third hat, uh, excuse me, secondhand information. That all plays into how we see certain terms or um, how we connect to it. So again, when I asked you earlier, when I say conflict, what comes to mind? You might have automatically in your mind is already correlating and putting together a, a response or a um experience or whatever, right? It could be just correlating and bringing, putting this picture together. And then as the puzzle pieces come together, you have created what conflict is. So let's really work on making sure that we have clarity on what conflict really is, how it could benefit us and how we can help us get to the other side of um, whatever it is we're trying to get to ultimately conflict is going to benefit us tremendously. So conflict, right? It's, um, there's a few definitions I want to share so we can get a scope of what it is. So one of the conflict, I mean, excuse me, one of the first definitions I see here is fight, battle, war, Ooh, an armed conflict, right? And again, we, we know that even, oh, wow, isn't this amazing? I don't know, this popped in my, it just popped in my spirit just now, but conflict has been shaped so much that it's even connected to things like war, battle, fight, 
all those things, a lot of those times, you know, and again, when we think about war battle fight, we automatically think negative. It even has under that an armed conflict, right? This is the, from the Merriam um, Webster online, but it even says armed conflict, ladies and gentlemen, my goodness. So it's interesting how we already have, uh, you know, man, conflict. I mean, you know, sometimes I feel bad for words. You know, I know that sounds crazy. I'd be like, man, like, I'm sorry. All right, you you got a whole, and let me share my, I wanna, I wanna share this so you can see what I'm looking at. But I'd be like, man, it's so, you know, so unfortunate that um, certain terms automatically, it's like a bias has already been created and we need to take more time to like have an under, we need to understand conflict because it's not conflict's fault, okay? It's not, ladies and gentlemen, it's not. So uh, to go back, so again, so I'm looking here, fight, battle, war. Instantly, you're gonna think negative. What, fight, battle, war? I, I don't want no part to that right? No parts of that. But let's look, let's look further. A competitive or opposing action of incompatibilities, right? Antagonistic state or action as of divergent ideas, interests, or persons. So the reality is there could be competition. Healthy competition isn't too bad, right? Opposing actions, viewpoints, things that you aren't compatible with. There are going to be times and moments where we're not going to agree with everything that we hear, everything that um, someone says, a point, a, a perspective. It's, it's, it's reality, right? So that's another aspect of it. We might be on opposing sides and that's okay. Mental struggle result, resulting from incompatible or opposing needs, drives, wishes, or external or internal demands. Mental struggle, all these words that makes you be like, I don't want no conflict, right? But again, a lot of this comes from our experiences and perspectives. Again, when words become defined, a lot of times what's happening is they're looking at culture and what's happening in regards to a term. So if you all recognize their terms and new terms being added to the dictionary, right? These catchy terms and now they're in the dictionary because the culture has shaped it to be that. It's a trend. It's, it's something that everyone is talking about. It, it is the thing, right? And it's been so, um, it's been so incorporated in a day-to-day -day culture, it's added to the dictionary. So the evolution of conflict is 100% possible if culture looks at it in a certain way. That was a little deep. That was really deep, right? My brain. And it goes into these things, but it, it just allows you to understand the perspective. The opposition of persons or forces that gives rise to the dramatic action in drama or fiction, right? The conflict in the play is between the king and the archbishop. The king and the archbishop needs to have a conversation then, right? Let's not sit in conflict. Let's discuss. Why do you oppose this action or why do you feel this way? You know, and someone that loves that era. I love movies that it's just, I just love that era and that, and that time um, when you have kings and castles and, you know, and so on. So shout out to the uh, Game of Thrones and I can't even think of the new show on HBO called the one with the dragons, Valerians. I'm so connected to the Game of Thrones. That's the only, I'm like, oh, did you watch Game of Thrones last night? That is not the name of the show. So put that in the comments for me. Um, Cause I can't even think about it. I just think, did you watch Game of Thrones last night? Love it. All right. So I'm loving this new season of the show. All right, focus now. Okay, now let's look at it from the verb tense, right? Because we were looking at, we were talking about it as a noun. So conflict, right? Um, conflicted, conflicting conflicts. To be different, opposed, or contradictory. To fail, to be in agreement or accord. To contend in warfare. 
So I like it. And again, I like this one because again, when we look at the constant, right, the constant language of conflict that from this perspective, we're hearing competitive, we're hearing mental struggle, right? We're, we're, we're seeing and hearing like all these, you know, uh, uh, terms that uh, it connects to the negative. But I love the aspect here where it's like, hey, the reality is, is to be different, opposed or contradictory. A lot of times, even when you're thinking about battle wars um, and so on, that, that's related to conflict. It's, it's some opposing views, right? Things that have escalated to the point where armed conflict or some type of conflict from that perspective is needed. But that is the underlying issues. However, that war fight battle can be ended in a conversation. Ooh, come on. Sorry, that excited me. In a conversation to those two parties, that are considered like the leaders of this conflict, right? Can sit down and have a conversation and now the issue, problem, matter can be resolved. And that armed conflict, right, is progressed because it, it didn't start as an armed conflict. It started with, okay, maybe ideas, perspectives, remember things that were happening in those locations and now it's, it's, it's escalated and now, now we armed. Okay, we don't want to get to that point. We want to prevent that from happening. So a sit down can change the scope of an armed conflict. And that's why having those conversations, right? Clarifying conversations are so needed because it can prevent things from escalating here. Let's just keep it here. Okay, we're, we're indifferent, right? Opposed. We're not in agreement or accord. Now let's talk about it. Right, even here where it says his statement conflicts with his with the facts. The facts say one thing, but then you're saying another thing. Why is that? Let, let's figure that out. So let's stay here so we don't get here. I don't want anyone getting here, right? Um, God forbid. But we want to make sure that as leaders, we are doing our part so we can have um, have a way to navigate conflict in a healthy way. And it doesn't mean that individuals are, let's, let's clarify that. It doesn't mean that individuals aren't going to walk away still on the other side or still not necessarily supportive to the initial points. However, at least it clarifies and also can bring things down, right? Where safety is still in place. And as far as safety is also psychological safety, where the culture is still intact, where relationships can be rebuilt. Or again, we can walk away and say, you know what? I have an understanding, you have an understanding. What is a way we can move forward with a, um, a response or a decision that's gonna benefit the masses? But we'll get into that a little bit further. All right, so now we have conflict. And again, as leaders, we have to, we have to just pay attention to the scope and the space um, that we are in to ensure that we are addressing conflict effectively, right? Because I can tell, like, even for me as a leader, I can tell we're like, mm, things are a little off. And I'm gonna have to ask someone, everything okay? Do we need to talk? I'm always open for a conversation because I need to know what's wrong. So you don't think that you are in this space alone. I need to know what's wrong. So you don't like leave here with assumptions or I want, I just want to get to a goal of peace or support or something that's going to be beneficial to us moving forward. Because again, like I said earlier, a conversation can shift a lot in conflict or in spaces where there's disagreements. So conflict management is something that leaders need to be developed in. It's something that we need to be okay with um, 
interjecting or, or being involved in like we need to, because again, we're going to experience it and others in our teams are going to experience it. And wherever they are, as far as their bias with conflict or how they see it, we can really help develop them in the art of having a conversation for clarification. So conflict management is a critical skill for anyone who interacts with other people regularly, right? And shout out to um, Indeed. I love this is the definition they had on there. It says every workplace is, is, is created or, or every workplace has several personalities, backgrounds and work styles. When two or more people in the office disagree over personal or professional matters, it creates a conflict. And that's true. Just like I mentioned earlier, that definition that we talked about, opposing sides, disagreement, we don't agree. Conflict can ensue because of that. But the beautiful thing is, and shout out to Thomas Kilman, he has what's called conflict management styles. And conflict management styles are pretty much how we address, engage in resolving conflict. Wait a second, just had to take a quick pause because I wanted to check in with you. Has the information you received on this podcast, on the series of podcasts, or even the information that I provide right here, is it been beneficial to you in any way? And are you like, you know what? That's an area that is a blind spot, an area that I need to work on. It's something that I really need to pay attention to. Well, I want you to take a minute and do what? Schedule a consultation. Let's get you to that next level because as leaders, the more growth and development that, that we invest within ourselves, it reaps benefits within our teams, within our organization, and ultimately is going to support that big mission that we have. Because remember, like I always say, individuals don't typically quit the organization, they typically quit the leader, they typically quit the culture. And if we want to be change makers, we want to be leaders who set trends, we have to grow and develop. So make sure you connect with me. You can even Email me at info at aishathomas.org, or you can go to my website, aishathomas.org, A-I-S-H-A-C-H-O-M-A-S.org, and schedule a consultation so we can get you to the level where people want to be connected to you versus move away. So go do it now. Don't wait any longer. Schedule that consultation now. Talk to you soon. And conflict management styles are pretty much how we address, engage, in resolving conflict and understand what ours are and how we can benefit or maintain a level of disruption, right? Because the reality is sometimes our conflict management style might not be beneficial, but now if we can understand what they are, where we show up in them, where we live within it and find the best ways to address things, Right. And just say, okay, this is my conflict management style, but I see the cost of it. Let me live on the other side so I can get to the intended goal. So this really taps into that self-awareness factor that we need to have as leaders. What is your conflict management style? So let's get into it. There are five different variations of the conflict management styles. Again, this is Thomas Kilman. Um, oh my goodness. Oh, okay. There we go. I was like, what's going on here? I don't want it to, uh, I was, I was sharing my screen and they said, um, pause. I was like, what am I talking? What's going on? Let's resume this share. Um, but forgive me guys, if you, if you're not watching this on, um, YouTube, cause I post my videos on YouTube or watch YouTube. So you can see the, um, the version of the podcast where you can see it make sure you do that. Right. Because I like to share visuals and so on. So you can, um, really get, a deeper look at the information. So 
Um, anyway, let's get refocused. All right. So now that we're talking about, again, conflict management styles, what, what they are, I want to introduce you to the different variations of them, the different variations. So again, Thomas Kilman created these and um, the different conflict management styles are very, very important to know because by understanding them, by knowing them, it allows you to understand where you live, where you live as far as that style. And then now you can also work on really improving or working towards not even improving, but having an awareness of, okay, this is where I live. Let me make sure I maybe move next door where it's going to benefit the masses better, right? Because in leadership, we are engaging in relationship building. We're engaged in the support of team members. And we sometimes have to compromise or sometimes those experiences allows us to get an understanding of, okay, I need to, this is a blind spot. I need to grow in it. So there are two aspects of uh, this uh, breakdown that I want you guys to pay attention to, or you all, excuse me. You know what? And, and I, I need to work on that um, saying you guys, right? You know, especially when we're living with making sure our language is inclusive. So forgive me for saying that, right? This my my putting it out there for accountability, right? Um, but don't get on me too much, all right? I'm working through it. <laughs> but um, you all, what I want us to focus on is there's two parts of it. There's the assertive side and then there's a cooperative side. So if you look at this breakdown, right, you see unassertive and assertive, and then you see uncooperative and cooperative. So each style lives in one side or the other side. Now, if you're thinking about our intended goal, where we're trying to go, what do you think the goal is? To be more on the cooperative side. We want to be more on the cooperative side. We don't want to be uncooperative because is that going to resolve conflict? So again, when you're thinking about it, I want you to think about it from that aspect too. So assertiveness, right? That's the party's desire to sort of satisfy one's own concern. Me, myself, and I, I want, to, I want to settle my concern. But the reality is we want to try to settle the concerns of the many, the multitude, as many as possible, especially as leaders. So um, you have that side of it. And then cooperativeness, party's desire to satisfy others' concerns. So those are the different sides that we live in. Um, so as far as the conflict management styles, the, there are five different variations and they live on one of the other side. So competing, right? That's to win and dominate. But there are costs of competing, right? Strained work relationships, suboptimal decision, decreased initiative and motivation, possible escalation and deadlock. And I'm going to toggle between two different um, visuals because to get more perspective on when to utilize the competing aspect is when you need to make quick, decisive actions, quick decisions, emergencies, unpopular actions need to be implemented on important issues. It might not be popular, but it's needed to implement things. You know, you know, you are right on issues vital to organization welfare. You are right. Again, this lives on the assertive side, right? Parties desire to satisfy one's own choice. However, again, there's costs because it could cause strained work relationships, some suboptimal decisions, decreased initiative, motivation, possible escalation and deadlock. So that's why it's so important to understand when I need to make that quick decision. So you don't necessarily live in the competing area but it might be needed in cases of emergencies, but you know, overall, you're someone that lives on the other side. 
So that's the competing side, avoiding, right? Now we're talking about unassertive. And again, we're all still on the unassertive, um, excuse me, on the uh, side of being more assertive, right? With competing, but uncooperative. And now we're down to avoiding where that's unassertive and uncooperative. So when you avoid things, delay neglect. So let's first look at when it's need to be utilized, right? So an issue is triv trivial or there are more pressing issues. I can't focus on this right now. I need to, right? However, the question is leaders, is this something, okay, right now you have a meeting and you recognize that, oh, you know, your team member just told you X, Y, Z about a conflict. Okay, I have something press I need to handle, but have you taken note of it? And you're gonna make sure that is something you focus on. Or is that something you need to just drop? right? Drop, stop, right? And say, I need to address this right now. Potential disruption outweighs the benefits of resolution. People should cool down and regain perspective. Gathering information supersedes the decision. That's when you should utilize it. However, we're not living there permanently. It's a case-by-case -case basis that we're tapping into this. Why? Let's look at the cost of living there, right? And even if you're not living there, always know that the response to how you approach conflict or navigate um, a season where there is a lack of clarity or opposing sides, it could result to a multitude of things. Declining work relationships, resentment, delays, degrading communication and decision-making. So we don't wanna live there. Even, I mean, for our side and even for the side of those that are involved in it. So those could be the potential costs for living and avoiding all the time. All right, so that's another one. And I want you to think about where do you tend to live most of the time as far as conflict management? So you're aware of, you might identify, this is why I'm having these breakdowns. All right, so let's go, let's go to compromising. Finding the middle ground, share. Goals are important, but not worth the effort or potential disruption of more assertive mode. So with compromising, it lives right in the middle. Right, it's not too assertive. It's not like super cooperative. It's like right in the middle. It has like a little nuts and bolts of every everything. Right, it's right lives right in the middle. Temporary settlements are needed for complex issues. Maybe we need to come to the table, find a res resolution today or now, and then circle back. So this is temporary, but the goal is to get to something more permanent. A time pressure, uh, time pressure demands um, require expedient solutions. Collaborating or competing were unsuccessful and a backup is needed. So we came to the table and maybe we're not fully there or maybe time constraints has led us here. However, let's find a middle ground. So let's talk about the cost of living there. Partially sacrifice concerns, right? There might've been concerns that just end up being sacrifice. Because again, you want to like find something, a, a temporary solution for now, some optimal solution, superficial understanding. So we don't want to live there. It might be something we utilize temporarily, but we have to circle back. It's important to circle back. So have you found one that you, a uh, space you live in most um, often? All right, now let's look at collaboration, win-win integration. When both sets of concerns are too important to be compromised and finding an, an integrative solutions. So it's like both, both concerns are important, it's both of them. So let's find something where we can integrate, come together with a solution. 
when your objective is to learn, ooh, we can learn so much when we have these clarifying conversations. Because again, we live a world or we respond based off of what we know or our perspectives. But the reality is we need to understand and learn what other someone else's perspective is. I'm someone that runs the conflict now. Like, okay, do we need to talk? The old me used to run from it. But when I have these conversations now about conflict for someone that might not be as comfortable, I explain it to, I explain it to them like this, especially when it comes to our team members. We have an opportunity here to help someone become aware of an area that might, it might be a blind spot. And it's gonna help them towards the goal of growth and development. Why would we wanna rob them of learning and growing and opportunity to get clarity and build relationships or an opportunity for, because again, when individuals leave or when they're in their workplace, you don't know what's eating them up inside. And I would rather have my team members or myself come into a space where I feel comfortable and I have clarity. And that's why I run to conflict because once I get it out, once we can talk about it, now, okay, it's out. So it's not living in my body and living in my mind. So what are we robbing people from, right? Or what are you robbing yourself from by not having the conversation? And of course, it's not the intent or the goal, but we want people to get that clarity, to merge insights from people with different perspectives, to gain commitment by incorporating concerns into a consensus. So again, this is on the side of it's assertive, right? To satisfy one's own concerns, but the concerns of both. And then it's cooperative. You can be assertive and cooperative, 100%. But what are the costs? What are the potential costs? Because there's benefits, right? But there might be costs in living there or just things to be aware of, you know, because even though this says costs, costs only occur when we're not aware of what's going on, right? If we're not addressing it. So time and energy required. So making sure you pick the right time, um, energy might be better, like, you know, 10 a.m. versus doing it after lunch where, you know, you get that what they call the itis and you're just tired and you want to sleep because the food was so good. Right. It might be right after, you know, a four day weekend where people have like had fun and enjoyed themselves. However, depending on how intense it is, it might be like, OK, I don't want to like throw you in this hot conversation right away. Let's do it on Thursday. All right. Or Friday, because we know after we're done, we can go home, think about it, rest up and come back on Monday after the weekend. Psychologically, psychological demands and possibility of offending. And that can happen in any and all these cases as well. Regardless of where you live, as far as your conflict management style, offending can happen because, again, our language, our terms, and you never know what could offend someone. So it's just things to pay attention to. And then once you, you are aware of that, clarify what you actually meant. Now let's go to accommodating. Yield appeasement. So that lives on the unassertive side, right? It's not about me. It's not about my own concern. It's about they, them. <laughs> and it's cooperative. So you decide to allow a better position to be heard and learn and show your reasonable, reason, excuse me, reasonableness. Da -da -da -da. <laughs> Issues are more important to others than yourself, right? Because even as a leader, there are going to be moments where it's like, okay, what you all are concerned about, I might not understand. I might be like, oh, that's no big deal. But if your team thinks it's a big deal, it is something to be concerned about. Harmony and stability are especially important. So you need to take your time and think about it or, or excuse me, and meet about it, regardless of your views. That's why it talks about sacrifice. 
right? Or, or really just following or, or, or pulling back and saying, you know what, this isn't all about me. I need to hear what they have to say. So it's not really a sacrifice. It's, you know, needed to get the best um, output sometimes in a matter. So what are some things to pay attention to as far as costs? Sacrifice concerns, loss of respect and loss of motivation. And again, this isn't a um, one and done, but these are things again, to be aware of. We don't want any loss of respect. We don't want any loss of motivation because again, when it says yield appeasement, it's like, it's not about one person. It's really about this group or about this, you know, this side versus this side. So we wanna make sure that when we walk away, we're in agreement, revisit, talk about things after the fact, meet up and, and do a check-in. Because once people walk away, you never know if any of these costs or these perspectives or these things are now living in the minds and the hearts of those that we support. We wanna address it. So being aware of, okay, where, right? Where, it, where for you do, does your conflict management style live? Are you more on the assertive side? but not cooperative? Are you like balanced? It might need to work to get to the other side of being cooperative and assertive. Being assertive, is nothing wrong with that. It's just, again, being aware of these costs or being aware of what could happen if we engage in conflict, right? A, a conflict-based scenario. And doing a follow-up is gonna be so pivotal in making sure that we're headed in the right direction. So it might require you to have a multitude of conversations with that group, that individual. It might, and that's okay. Because the ultimate goal is to what? Get to that solution, that resolution, the best solution that impacts the masses. So we can improve these workplaces, improve relationships, and really get to a space of clarity and learning because the power in this is learning. Every time that we're engaged in things that aren't necessarily like in our favor all the time, you don't know the power of how much we can learn and get perspectives and get an understanding of what really is going on in the hearts and minds of individuals. Because again, in leadership, you know, sometimes we're living on this side and we're doing this and we don't even know what's going on in the workplace. Now we're learning. We're learning more about an individual, how they see things. You're like, oh, I didn't know that. I wish I knew that. But making sure you have you are open to knowing what's going on, open to learning, open to coming to a compromise, coming to a place where we can get to a better outcome, right? Than what's happening right now or what could happen. Because again, we don't want no armed conflict. We don't want to progress there. We want to we want to stay in a place where, yes, there's a disagreement, but now we can get to the other side of it. So I want you guys to comment again, what, Conflict management style, did you identify you live in most? And ask yourself, have you experienced those costs that we talked about? And if you experience those costs, what are some ways where you can remedy or address it or um, find a solution to it? So you're like, okay, I, I know that some people might feel like they lost respect, but let me, let me, let me get or offer some clarity. And really asking yourself, is it time to move over to the other side? So you'll find yourself resolving conflict in a way that is going to, again, improve the culture, improve relationships. It just has a ton of improvements attached to it. So was this helpful? Was this beneficial? 
let me know. And as always, if you haven't liked, share, and subscribe, I know I've said that multiple, multiple times, make sure you do it now. All right. And share this with a leader who you think benefits from this information. All right. And I'll be back next week so we can talk about trauma-informed leadership and bring you guys another interview that I did before we close out this season, right? This is like, you know, fall time. And then we can hit you up with some, we're still going to get content that's going to be still be um, shared and given, um, especially if you're on my YouTube page or if you're following me on social media at Miss Aisha Thomas. But taking, again, remember I told you earlier, taking that break and taking that time to process, refocus, you know, I'm going to be starting programs soon. Um, and not programs just for you, but as far as pursuing my doctorate. Yes, yes, yes. Going down that road. So I want to make sure that I'm maintaining and balancing time with my family, myself, all those different things, because it's important. Right. And I hope it's important for you. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. And this information is so imperative because I always say individuals will typically quit the organization. They typically quit the leader. And that's why you need leadership development. So make sure you reach out to me um, at Miss Aisha Thomas on all platforms. You can search for me on YouTube. Just search for Aisha Thomas, the number one, uh, to get more content. I appreciate you all tuning in as always. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Shoot me an email if you have some suggestions. And you know what? I need advice on this. And I'll make sure to answer it for you live or connect with me on my page, AishaThomas.org, for consultations, training in regards to these type of matters, right? Anything development, anything that's going to benefit your organization, your team, you yourself, I am here to do. All right. So thank you all for tapping in and tuning in today. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.